So you guys are doing well? You good? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm 40. I have, uh, that picture is pretty old, so next time you stalk Facebook, let me know. I'll get you a new one. Um, that's my wife, Wendy. We were married in college, sophomores in college. Um, Kate is 14 now, and uh, Emma is, uh, how old is Emma? She's 12, and Addie is uh, 10, my wife, Wendy. Um, and uh, praise be to God, they're going to all be in the bed before I get home. Yes. Um, so that's cool. So that's cool. Hey, man, I, I don't really want to tell you guys what to do, but I'm going to tell you. Could you bring the lights up a little bit and maybe turn some of that down? Is that a big deal? Because I want them to be able to see their Bibles or their phones. You got phones? Pull your phone out. Look at Psalm 65, right? You want to be able to see them. Is that cool? Is that bad? Am I messing up your podcast? All right, good, because I'm way past the hip days of knowing what that means. Um, so Psalm 65, Psalm 65. So one of the things that, that I do and I feel kind of convicted over, or I'm uh, like, this is who I am. It's, it is what it is is uh, I am what you call an expositional preacher. That's a really big word, but it literally means I want to explain the Bible. I want to teach the Bible. And to do that, I try to go to one passage, one text, one verse, and spend our time there. So we're not going to survey through the whole Bible. I can't do all that in in one sitting or one lifetime. Uh, But we're just going to look at Psalm 65 uh, from start to finish. And I want you to see some really cool things uh, tonight from Psalm 65. Before I go any further, though, I want to introduce my, uh, my friend Josh. So Josh, wave at everybody. Um, so Josh is a deacon at our church. Uh, him and his wife uh, oversee our college ministry. Uh, so if you're here and you're not actively involved in the church and you want to know more about the greatest church in the area, um, well, that guy's not here, but Brushy Creek's here. Uh, and so, come on, man, it's late. Laugh a little. Um, and so Josh is in charge of that ministry. I thought I would bring him along. I need somebody to hold my Bible and stuff like that, you know, because I'm the guy. Uh, <laughs> And so anyways, Josh is, uh, Josh is here, and uh, he's a cool dude, so you can get to know him uh, as well. And, and in fact, if any of you want to join the college ministry, he's giving out $100 bills tonight. So see Josh uh, for that. Um, so Psalm 65. So, so here is what I know about today. I don't know what you did. Some of you went to class. Some of you should have went to class. Uh, some of you probably had some different clubs or sports meetings or whatever. But I know a couple of things from today. I know you've probably sent a gazillion texts already. Uh, You've probably checked a couple of different social medias, whether that's uh, Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter. That's all I know. My knowledge ends there. Um, uh, You've probably listened to some lectures. You may have read a book. You may have watched the news. You may have scanned some YouTube videos. Here's what I understand. You've processed, heard a lot of words and information today. You've taken in a lot, right? You've taken it in from all different directions. But here's what I want you to hear, and I want to try to make sure that I implore you to understand what's about to happen. When you open the Bible, when you open God's Word, you're about to hear from God. Now, not me. I'm not God. I have the body of a God, but I'm not God. Uh, But the idea is is that we're literally, like, this is, we, we sometimes forget this because we have the Bible on our phones. We have the Bibles. We have verses. We have bracelets. We have t-shirts. We have stickers, you know. We forget this, but but I want to make sure you understand this. Of all the things you've heard today, we're about to read Scripture, which means you're going to hear what God has to say to us. The very lips of heaven have written a book for us, and we're about to hear it. So all the stuff you've heard today, it could be very important. It's not going to compare to saying this actually came from God. So I want you to just kind of let that sit for a moment and understand that we're going to spend a few minutes hearing from God. Like, All the things you heard today, some of it might be important, and you might need to remember some of it for a test tomorrow. 
But none of it will be more important than saying, hey, guess what? God said this, right? So that's, that's heavy. That's big. So we want to spend some time in it. So here's what I want to do. I want to read Psalm 65, and then I want to pray for us, and we're just going to dive into it. All right, you ready? So you're going to need to have a copy of it, have it on your phone, whatever. You're going to need to follow along. If you're looking it up online and you're not sure, I'm using the ESV version. That might help you if you want to find the one I'm reading out of. You guys may have other versions, but, you know, that's a thing. All right, so Psalm 65. David is the writer of the psalm, and this is what he says. Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayers, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose to bring near, to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. I'm at verse 5. By awesome deeds, you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the further seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in all of your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water and provides their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening its showers, the blessing, its growth. Verse 11, you crown the year with bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. Let's pray. Father, We've just heard your word that was written by David thousands of years ago, but it was written because you wanted us to have it. And so, Lord, over the next few moments, I pray you would tell us why you would help us understand what this means and how it impacts our life and how us hearing from your word is more important than anything else in all of creation to hear from you, to hear what heaven has to say, to know what you desire in us. God, I pray you'd help us to hear it tonight in Jesus name. Amen. So I was in 12th grade English. I loved it so much, I almost had to take it twice, but I love 12th grade English, right? And in 12th grade English, we got to this poetry section uh, where we're learning poetry, right? You guys remember this? Some of you've had to deal with this. Uh, And so in my world, I'm from Alabama, right? I'm from Alabama, but don't worry, we had shoes there, so I'm okay. Um, So I'm from Alabama, I'm pretty simple, like I didn't quite understand it. Poetry for me is roses are red, violets are blue, hey, I like you, right? Like that's kind of how it works. Um, It worked, I got married. Um, But... (laughs) But the idea is, is that when you read poetry, sometimes it can be hard to understand. So the book of Psalms are poems. They're songs. They were written by God's people for God's people. And we're literally looking at a personal journal of David, a song of David. And here's the cool thing about the Psalms. There is a psalm for every emotion you feel. If you're angry, there's a psalm. If you're sad, there's a psalm. If you're joyful, there's a psalm. If you're wondering, God, where are you? There's a psalm for that. And so the emotional roller coaster of poetry is worked into the psalm. So when you get to Psalm 65, we got to kind of ask the question, what is the emotional input? What is the writer? What is David doing? And in Psalm 65, he writes a poem with three verses. There are three clear breaks in the stanzas, if you will, in the song. And in the psalm, he's describing why he loves the Lord, why the Lord has been so good to him. He literally is telling us why he worships God. He gives us three ideas or truths on why it is good to worship God. So I simply think about it this way. In my life, I can get distracted by a lot of things. 
And so for me, when I read Psalm 65, I kind of think of it this way. I kind of think of it as beholding God. Just the idea of behold God, stare at God, look at why God is so good. Be reminded why it's worth your time to put all your heart's affection, all your attention, all of your life focused on the God of all creation. And so he'll do this in three ways. So I'm going to give you three truths from the text of why you need to spend your life staring at, worshiping, looking for, and pouring your life into knowing God, right? Like I'm, I'm answering the question, what is life for? Here it is. No God. Like solved it. You can go home, right? No God. So here it is. Truth, truth number one, I want you to behold the God who forgives. So David writes in the first four verses about being in the temple and about worshiping God. And he writes about forgiveness. Just look at the first four verses. Praise is due to God. That means songs, shouting, devotion. Then he says vows are be to perform to God. Commitment. Right? I want to give myself to the Lord, but why? Verse 2, you hear prayers, all flesh will come to you. But in Hebrew poetry, the, the middle verse is usually the climax. So it's kind of like a mountain. There's the first couple of verses, and then you get to the middle, and there you've made the top, and then you start working your way down. So in the first stanza of four verses, verse 3 is like the pinnacle. So look at verse 3. He says, when iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgression." Blessed is the one you choose to bring near. So this is what David says, and I don't want you to miss it. David says, I am in awe with God because God has done something with my guilt. God has done something with my sin. God has done something that I couldn't do, and He has done it for me. He has atoned for my sin. Look at the words that he uses there. He says, my iniquities prevailed, and you atoned for them. Now, iniquities and trespasses are the two words that are used there. He uses these two words. Trespass literally has the idea of trespassing. It is to, just to go against what is right. It's to run past the law. It's to miss the sign and keep going. So he says, here's one of the sins that we have. We have the sin of rebelling. We just do sin. We just run into sin. I'll give you an example. We'll have a little crowdsourcing here. All right, you ready? You get to confess to sin tonight. It's going to be awesome. All right. So let's think about the Ten Commandments. You guys have probably heard of those. They're pretty cool. They're in the Old Testament. Moses downloaded them to a tablet. You got it, right? Um, preacher joke. Um, so the idea is, is the Ten Commandments, right? So let's just pick one. All right. Honor your father and mother. So raise your hand if there's ever been a point in your life where you did not honor your father and mother. Okay. God, you're sinners, man. It's a I'm glad y'all are here. You need it. All right. Uh, so, so. Um, so that's the one. All right. So, so thou shalt have no other gods before me. So raise your hand if there's ever been a time in your life where you were supposed to choose God, but you chose something else. Mm, man, hell's hot. You better pay attention. All right. Uh, and so here's the deal. We trespass. We know it's wrong and we do it anyway. Right. Like we run right past it. We do it. David says, man, I have done wrong. I have run past it. Right. And then notice what else he says. He says, my iniquities and my transgressions. So transgressions, the idea of trespasses. And the word iniquity here literally means to take what is good and make it bad. So not only do we rebel against God, but we take his good gifts and twist them to our desires. We want to use them our way. And so literally, this is what David said. David says, Lord, everywhere I turn, I see my sin. I see my rebellion against you. I see my brokenness. I see my guilt. I see the way in which you even give me good gifts and I twist them and do bad things with them. Lord, I'm a mess. And notice what he says. Look at the text. Look right there. He says, my iniquities prevail against me. He's losing. He's losing the battle. He's losing the battle of sin. He can't beat it. He's tried. 
He's tried to do better. He's tried to go uh, at a different route. He's tried to act right, right? You know, he's tried everything he can think of. You've done this. You've put one more bracelet on your wrist thinking, man, if I wear that bracelet, I'll remember to pray and I will not sin, right? And then you just sin and hide the bracelet and act like it didn't exist, right? Like, I, I know how this works. You think one more rule, one more action, one more thing, and I'll get right. And David says, when you look at the scoreboard, I'm losing. I'm losing in my guilt and in my sin. I'm losing. I can't get right. Matthew 5, 8, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure at heart, for they shall see God. So he tells us, the only way for us to see God, to get to heaven, to be right, is to have a pure heart. Well, you just raised your hand and proved that you don't have a pure heart. So you're in trouble, right? Your iniquity, your guilt, your trespasses, it's winning. You're losing the game. You're not doing well left to yourself. But I want you to notice something. Look there in verse 3. I want you to see the two most beautiful words in the whole verse. It says, you atone. The word atone means to pay for the debt, to cover the charge. So what David is saying is, is that my sin was winning. My guilt was winning. I was separated from God. I had no way to win. I couldn't add another rule. I couldn't do another thing. I couldn't get to church enough. I couldn't give enough. There was always sin plaguing me. And then God did something on our behalf. He says, you, you, meaning God did this, atoned. You covered my sin debt. You forgave my guilt. You washed it away. You fixed it. Now, the crazy thing about this is David writes this thousands of years before Jesus. So David is trusting his faith in the fact that the God of all creation will wash away his sin debt and pay for it. David knows it will be through a Messiah, but he doesn't know that it will be Jesus. We have the luxury of being on the side of history on the other side of the cross. So we know what this means. We know the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all guilty in our sin. We know the Bible says in Romans 6.23 the wages of sin is death, meaning the payment for your sin is separation from God for all eternity. But we also know that Romans 6.23 says that while the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That Jesus dies to pay for our sin. Paul would write in the book of Galatians that Jesus became the curse for us. You want to know how Jesus won the game of fixing our sin? He took all of our sin on His shoulders, became a sinner in our place. Not that He had sinned, but the curse was laid on His shoulders and God's wrath was poured out on Him. He did this for us. Now, why is this important? I, I want you to hear me now. L listen, just listen. Some of you know right now, you don't have to say it out loud, you don't have to confess anything, but you know right now you are as filthy as can be guilty in sin. Some of you in here are addicted to pornography. Some of you in here are sleeping with your boyfriend and girlfriend. Some of you in here are dealing with all kind of eating disorders and struggles that you know are wrong. You're dealing with the, the want to look like everyone else on social media. Some of you in here are cheating in school. Listen to me. You are guilty and you know it. And I don't have to convince you because the Spirit of God and the Word of God is convincing you. And here's what you're thinking to yourself. I just don't know what to do about it. And here's what I want to tell you. You can't do anything about it. But Jesus has done something about it for you. David says, I need God to do something for me that I cannot do for myself. I'm losing the battle and I need God to fix it for me. And you know what God does? He fixes it. Listen to what it says. Look at verse 4. 
He says, Blessed is the one you choose to bring near and dwell in his courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house and the holiness of your temple. God does all this for us. And how does he do it? Look at verse 1. Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion. And to you shall vows be performed, you who hear prayers. You want to know how to have your sins atoned for? You want to know how to have your guilt washed away? You want to know how to wake up tomorrow and not need another rule and another bracelet and another reason to feel guilty because you broke that one and the next one and the next one? You fall on your knees and you pray to the Lord above, because of Jesus Christ, Lord, please forgive me. You have atoned for my sin. And you know why this is good? Because I didn't come here just to hammer you about your sin. I got my own bag of sin. I can hammer me too, all right? I know it, right? Now, my wife thinks I'm perfect, but you can't ask her. She ain't here. But the idea is, is here's why. Here's what I want you to hear. You're not too guilty for the Lord Jesus to love you. You're not too far gone for the Lord to forgive you. You might say, Corey, man, you just don't know how sick I am, how sinful I am, how deep the addiction is. You don't understand that I try to do better and it comes back and back and back and back. God, just, I'm just guilty and I'm too far. That's not what the text says. The text says God hears prayers and atones for sins. It doesn't say God hears the prayers of somebody who's only sinned a little. Or the one who's working on themselves. God, it doesn't say God helps those who help themselves. You can't help yourself. You're lost in sin. But God can. This is what David says. And you know what happens when you come to the Lord and He atones for your sin? Look at verses 1, 2, and 3, and 4 again. Look at what happens. He hears your prayer. He brings you close. Look at what He says. All flesh are brought to Him. You have a relationship with Him. You get brought into Him. He says you make vows. You make commitments. You start to live for Him. Listen to me, brother, sister. You are not too far and you are not too guilty for Jesus Christ to atone for your sins, forgive you, and you to be fresh and new in Him. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you come to Christ and He atones for your sin, it is washed away. And that's good news. That's good news for us when we feel so guilty and so lost and so dirty and so discouraged. We can be reminded that Jesus has atoned for our sins. David says, I look to God because he has atoned for my sins. Look at the God who forgives. The second verse in the song begins in verse five. And he will say, not only behold the God who forgives, but behold the God who creates. He will move from the temple to creation. He will move from praising God because of His grace that pardons to praising God because He is the Creator who is powerfully creating in the world. Let me show you what I mean. Listen to the imagery of the poetry. Listen to how he digs in. He says, By your awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the further seas, the one who by His strength establishes the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring seas, the roaring of their ways, the tumult of the people, so that those who dwell at the end of the earth are in awe at their signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening shout for joy. David grew up in Israel, and David would have been a shepherd boy. You, you may know some of the life of the story of David. You've probably heard that or maybe studied it in the Old Testament. He started off as a shepherd boy, so he spent his life in the fields, walking around the mountains and the, the caves and the, and the water sides of Israel. Then he became the king of Israel, so now he's in the mighty cities and the palaces, and he's seen all that can be seen. And so he literally is talking about how God created all that. 
And look what he says. He says, you gird up the mountains. That means you, you put the mountains in place. You make them stand up. You tell them where to go. You make the seas roar. You handle the roaring oceans. It looks wild to us when we look at the ocean, but he's saying God is in charge of that. God is over that. So he's praising the Lord because he's the powerful God over creation. He's in charge of everything. Uh, I had uh, the privilege as a kid to go to the Grand Canyon. Any of you ever been to the Grand Canyon? Been to the Grand Canyon? When you get to the Grand Canyon, there's one thing you have to do. You have to stand over the edge and spit. It's 8 o'clock at night, man. Laugh at something, all right? Like, <laughs> I was supposed to be in bed an hour ago. Like, I'm old. Stop it. But I went to the Grand Canyon, and I'm looking over this thing thinking, whoa, this past summer, or in 2020, I think it was 2020, 2021, I don't know, somewhere in COVID. Um, we, I took my kids to Yellowstone, right? So we go out to Yellowstone, man. We see the Grand Tetons, we see buffalo, we see snow. We, we, we get into Yellowstone and we see the first buffalo that we've, that we've seen. They've never seen one before. So we pull the car off and it's like way out in the field. And we spend like an hour watching this buffalo. And it's way out, but they're so excited to look at it. And then we get in the car and we go around the curve and there's 700 buffalo on the side of the road. It's like time management, man, time management, right? But we got to see it. We got to see it. We got to like, whoa, look at this, man. We saw Old Faithful. So Old Faithful's in Yellowstone. It's a geyser that goes off every like hour. And you sit there and all of a sudden you watch the water bubble up and it goes, woo. It looks like a giant bidet built in the middle of the earth. Um, <laughs> and so after this is over, by the way, ask me my bidet story. It's incredibly awesome. Um, but the idea is, is that, that God made that. Now look at what David says. David says, you're the God who forgives and you're the God who creates and you made the stars and you made the ocean and you carved the rivers and you hold it all together. Do you know that there's about six uh, billion people in the world, right? The population of the world is about six billion people. And scientists tell us of the stars that we can see, the ones we can see. Now, there are those we can't see yet. But the stars that we can see, the ones that our telescopes and astronauts and all of the technology can see, right? In our universe and, in, and others around the Milky Way and all that kind of stuff. Like the ones we can see, right? So you're with me, right? I made my point. The stars we can see. If you want to take the stars we can see and divide them among the six billion people on earth, you yourself would get one trillion stars. I don't even know how to fathom that. My kid owes me 20 bucks, and I think that's a lot of money. Like, I don't even know how to fathom one trillion stars per person, and there's six billion people on earth. Do you know what Psalms 147 says? It says, you place the stars and you know them by name. How amazing is that? Why is this important? Because I want you to understand something. The same God that personally forgives you is the same God that is powerfully holding all things together. And you know what that means? That means when Russia and Ukraine are doing their thing and we don't understand it, God has not lost control. When COVID is waving across and people are sick and family members are dying and it seems like it's just utterly chaos, God is the one who places the stars and holds them and He's still in control. Nothing happens without God knowing it, holding it, and in charge. He is the creator of all things. Over the years, my son and I have been to all the Marvel movies, right? It's like man soap operas. Because, I mean... The plot lines are about this thick, right? There's not much to it, but they fight, so it's cool, right? So we go to all the Marvel movies, and one of the things that we argue about is which is the best Avenger, right? Like, who's the, who's the best Avenger? Y'all have had this conversation, right? Yeah, we've had this conversation, and we all agree it is... Iron Man. 
Yeah, yeah, sure, right, right. You're all wrong. Um, so we have this argument, you know, so like it's, okay, all right, Hulk, Hulk obviously just can't die, and, and he smashes stuff, right? And then you got Thor with his locks and his beard and his rippling muscles. You know, some people say I kind of look like, but, um, and, then, and then you have like Captain America with his virtue and you got Black Panther with his cool speed and strength and that whole magic of Wakanda. And then, and you've got like, you know, the girl, what, what's, uh, what's her? Yeah, 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 yeah. That one that's kind of crazy that messes with people's mind. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Whenever you're watching the Avengers, whenever you're watching the Avengers, you always need like one more, right? Like this one's losing until this one shows up. Or these guys can't seem to figure it out until this one brings his talent. There, there always has to be, because they have weaknesses, they have problems. As cool as this one is, as strong as this one is, there's always a weakness. When you, when you get on your knees and you pray to the God of all creation, there's nowhere else to go. You don't have to go any higher. You don't have to look anywhere else. You don't have to turn and try to find something else to fill the gap. You are literally speaking to the man in charge. You've made it all the way to management, right? You're, you're talking to the CEO of all of creation. And David says, I praise the Lord because that God, that God listens to me and hears me. And that God, look at there at the last verse of this stanza. Look at verse eight. He says, you make the going out of the morning and the evening shout for joy. He literally says, when I see the sunrise, I remember God is over everything. When I see the sunset, God is over everything. When I go to the end of the earth, God is there. When I go to the depths of the sea, God is there. When I go to the furthest reaches of the space, God is there. There's not a place where you go where God is not. So when you find yourself in that moment of struggle or pain or valley, the God of all creation is there with you. David says, I praise God because He is over everything. This is a powerful thing. It reminds me of Psalm 96.4. I'll give it to you on the screen. I think I will. There it is. Thank you. You're doing awesome, by the way. Good job. I'm glad I brought you because Josh is useless. Um, <laughs> in his hand, the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his. For he made it, and his hands formed it, the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Think about what it says. The earth, the mountains, the waters are in his hands. He holds all things. So when you are dealing with your worst day, and you sit to pray, you're praying to the God who is over everything. That's pretty cool to think about. It's pretty cool also to think about that that God who's holding all that stuff together cares about listening to you pray and me pray. But he does. And David says, I'm beholding you because you're the God of creation. Let me give you one more and we'll finish the psalm. Look there at verse 9. He says, <clears throat> he says that, uh, verse 9, You visit the earth and water it and greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly. You settle its ridges, softening it with showers. These are all farming analogies, by the way, for really old times. You crown the year with the bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. This is what I understand about this. It says, behold the God who provides. So we have the God who forgives us of our sin. We have the God who reminds us that He's over everything and He's powerful and He's with us. 
And then we have him being even more personal because he's providing. Notice with me in the text just some of the words that you see. It says he furrows the ground. That's a plowing term. It means to make the rows that you're plowing. So in the day of David, they would have a, a plow and an ox, and it would pull it and break the ground. It's called a furrow, right? And so he, he says, you, you look at the whole earth, and it's like a furrow to you. You make what needs to be made. You shape the mountains. You furrow the ground. You provide. But I want you to notice one part in here that really stands out to me. L- look there at verse 11. It says, you crown the year with bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. What he's literally saying is, is God, you've been so good to me that your wagon, your blessings are so full that it's making tracks on the ground and stuff's falling out from it. Like the garden has produced so much good stuff that we filled the wagon up. We're literally digging in the ground because it's weighted down so much with whatever, right? Like what's your favorite vegetable? It's not a trick question. Broccoli. No, that's a trick question. Dear God, that's a trick question. Okay, fruit. Favorite. Watermelon. No, that guy. Favorite fruit. Strawberries. Strawberries. Okay, we'll go with watermelons. All right. So, so literally he says, the Lord has been so good. He's so bountiful. He's so, it's such a blessing that, that my wagon of watermelons is so heavy, right? That it's wading down, digging a trench, and it's flow, overflowing. He says, so, so just think about it this way. He's using farming as an analogy to say the Lord has blessed me. When you think about farming, you realize that it's a huge miracle of God. I mean, there's a lot we know about farming, a lot of technology, a lot of uh, really cool things. But, but we still put a seed in the ground and something's got to happen in there that we can't control. I mean, we can try to give it the right fertilizer and kill the right weeds and all that kind of stuff. But the, but the miracle of, of this growth is the Lord, right? And so what he's, David is saying is, is that all my life, I see these blessings and these goodnesses that are, that are way outside of my hands. You've been doing stuff in the farming of my soul that I can never do. You've been blessing me in ways that I can never do. God has been providing. It's been an abundance for you. So, so let's, let's do just a little bit more crowd participation. So somebody just kind of lift your hand and say, tell me one way God has blessed you. We're not going home till you do. Yes, sir. Time with friends. Oh, that's sweet. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Your family. Oh, maybe they'll see the podcast. That's good. (laughs) Someone else. How's God bless you? Yes, sir. Soccer. Soccer. Uh, Okay. (laughs) We'll count it. I'm just kidding. The ability, the ability to play, the gift of energy, strength. Any anybody got a mom and dad? Okay. Anybody eat today? Clothes, education, right? Salvation, forgiveness of sin, promise of heaven, right? Any of you ever had a problem and all of a sudden the answer appeared? Okay. The Lord's working that out. Any of you had a really long problem and the answer finally appeared? The Lord's working that out too, right? It, I, I, there's an old song we, we used to sing in church called Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One. And it was an idea of just trying to remind yourself of what the Lord has done. And David literally says, Lord, every time I look around, I just... 
I'm just like a farmer that's overflowing. I got too much food. I don't know where to put it. That's how my life feels because God's been so good to me. Now, there are times in your life where I'm sure you don't think that. I'm sure there are times in my life where I think, man, it's been a hard season. Like, where are you, Lord? Like, what's going on? Where are you at? But ultimately, most of the time when I stop and actually think about the Lord and what He's done for me and how bad I could be if it weren't for Him, I'm reminded just how blessed I am. And so I want to finish with this thought. The three things that I've shared with you is that, that God should be praised because of His atonement, His forgiveness. And that God should be praised. You should just lift your eyes. Like, stop staring at your, your mess, the muck that you're living in, and stare at the Lord and remember, He's a God who forgives you. He's the Creator who, who is over all things. And He's the God who provides for you. But ultimately what happens is, and, and this is where I really want to just kind of press in and, and then I'll be done, is ultimately what happens is, is our feelings lie to us. You see, sin entered into the world, and sin has entered into our lives, and we were born into sin. We were born broken, which means everything about us is fractured. Our bodies are fractured because of sin. You have headaches and backaches, and one day your body will die and run out because of sin. It's broken. It's fallen that way. Your emotions are fractured because of sin. Your thoughts are fractured because of sin. We, we are clouded because of sin. Everything is not quite full speed because of sin. And one of the things that's really fractured is our feelings. We can, we can, as they say, get all up in our feelings and be twisted, right? We can be wrong. And what this does is when our walk with the Lord is we can think sometimes or we can feel sometimes God's not really going to forgive me. Man, God's not really in control. This seems out of control. This seems chaotic. Or God's not really blessing me or care about me or hearing me. And our feelings can make it seem like that God is a thousand miles away. But I just want to tell you very clearly, that is a lie. Your feelings are lying to you. And the way you feel has nothing to do with the facts. You may feel like you can fly. And we may watch you climb up to the roof after this meeting. And you may really believe you can fly. And we're really going to laugh as you hit the pavement. The feel That was kind of gross. The feelings lie to you. But the facts are, David says, God is really the God who forgives. God is really the powerful God who creates and is over all things. And God is really the one who loves you and provides for you and cares about you. You don't ever have to worry about that. Jen Wilkes writes in her book about God these kind of words about feelings. She says, We cannot trust our perception of God's closeness to be accurate. God is near whether we feel Him to be or not. How mindful we are of this truth will directly affect the way we live. You may feel one way. But I promise you this, however you feel, it doesn't change who God is. And God is the God who forgives, who creates, and who provides, and He cares about you. Let me just invite you to bow your heads. Our band's going to come up, man, and lead us in a song. I just want to pray for you, encourage you through prayer. Um, and I want to say this to you while your heads are bowed. Like, I'm here, I'll hang out. If you guys want to talk, I'll be glad to talk with you about anything. Um, but I just want you to think about maybe three things and then I'm going to pray for us and we'll sing and you can uh, react how you want to react. But the first one is, is, is I just want to ask you a, a plain question. Do you know the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you given your guilt and your sin to Christ? I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if you know God is real or Jesus is good. I'm asking you, is there a time in your life where you know for sure you have come to realize you are a guilty sinner and your only hope is Jesus. Because David understood his only hope for his sin was God. The Bible says in Romans 10 
9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Christ came and died and was buried according to the Scripture and rose again, we can be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, that's Jesus, can be saved. Your sins can be washed away. You're not too guilty for the Lord. So maybe tonight you just need to grab one of these leaders. You need to come talk with me and you need to say, man, I'm feeling really guilty and I want to get rid of my sin. And Christ is the way. The second thing I would just ask you is simply this. Have you forgotten in the chaos of your life that there really is a God who's in control? Like, have you just kind of found yourself feeling overwhelmed and lost and you've just forgotten, you've lost perspective that God holds the mountains, that God is in charge? Maybe you just need to sit and pray and say, God, I forgot. I mean, I know it. I learned it in Bible school or church, but I just don't act like it. And my feelings have been lying to me. And then the third thing I would just ask you is, have you counted your blessings lately and just told the Lord thank you? I mean, we could survey the world and see how the blessings that you have compared to so many. When's the last time you just said thank you, Lord? I pray that when you leave here tonight, you will be convinced that God is worth staring at, worshiping, pursuing, because He forgives us, He's all-powerful, and He provides. Lord, I pray now as we sing, as we pray, as we contemplate, You would do a mighty work in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.